These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so mm -hmm. they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. People just want to know that they're, they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to this episode of Open Journal Podcast. I hope you're well. I hope things are good with you right now. I'm delighted to say in this episode, Ollie and Nick are going to be joining us and we're going to be talking all about Portsmouth Comic Con. A big thank you to Ollie and Nick for coming on and sharing their insights. Ollie from Dream Team Portsmouth and part of their cosplay community and Nick the event producer at Portsmouth Comic Con. It was really, really interesting to sit down and have a chat with both Nick and Ollie and to hear some of their insights into their journey towards um, this year's Portsmouth Comic Con, but also looking forward as well. And through our conversation, we talk a lot about the different things that happen, the experiences, the panels, the workshops, the cosplay, all of the different things that are involved and the communities and individuals that are part of that as well. So a big thank you to Nick and Ollie for coming on and sharing their insights with us. I really hope you enjoy this episode and this conversation. And if you do, please do leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help other people find our conversations around mental health, well-being and communities. And it also helps people find yeah, new episodes and new people to follow. So please do leave a review. Additionally, if you think it sounds quite a nice opportunity to come on and share your insights around mental health and well-being and different projects or campaigns that you might be part of please do have a look at the website which is openjournalbc.com and you can find information there about being a podcast guest in the future thank you so much for continuing to listen and support the podcast here's my conversation with ollie and nick Nick and Ollie, it's really nice to be sat down with you this evening and have the opportunity to kind of reflect back on on this year's Portsmouth Comic Con and, and talk about some of the ways that it links into and may support um, different people around mental health and well-being. Just also your experience and insights around the event as well. Um, first off, it'd be really nice just to hear kind of how your week's going and maybe what's supporting your well-being at the moment. Uh, Nick, how is your week going? Um, week's going very well. We actually packed away the last of the Comic Con equipment on Monday, so it's not bad just over a week to clear stuff away um it's a bit of a black week this week before we get on with 2024 comic-con so <laughs> loads of things are spinning around in my head for next year what we can do but it's a it's a relaxing week before all the fun starts again on monday oh amazing i feel like we've come in at a key time here we're in between the two the two thought processes and uh, ollie how's your week going it so far it's going swell um 
I work at a primary school outside of the costuming stuff and the, I mean, the children are chaotic and it's that time of year where they are anxious and stressed and they don't know why, but they're also hot and bothered and they take it out on us, naturally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's just been a week so far. <laughs> that's nice it feels like you're 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 um preparing yourself for what is kind of the end of the summer term there as well oh yeah <laughs> um so obviously we we've kind of come together we've recently had um portsmouth comic-con this year and it was again seemed like each year the event seems to kind of grow and develop it'd be really interesting to hear nick kind of where the original idea came from for the for the portsmouth event and how that's grown over the years um, my role, I've got two roles at the Guildhall. I'm a director of events, but I'm also head of facilities. So one minute I'm counting toilet rolls, the next minute I'm talking Klingon <laughs> or a group of stormtroopers. So it can be fun. But it started uh, about six years ago. We had with a group of us and my boss turned around and said, come up with some new ideas. Um, we came up with normal things, music festivals, that sort of stuff. And then I just jokingly turned around and said, how about doing a Comic-Con? And he said, yes, straight away, uh, which was terrifying because I've never been to one. Uh, didn't know what a Comic-Con was other than seeing clips on telly. So then spent the next two hours shooting for the internet to find out exactly what I've just dropped myself into. Uh, booked ourselves into MC in London and a few others. And two years later, we delivered the first Comic-Con, which is now six years ago because of COVID. Uh, Quite a small event, first year, uh, using the Guildhall. For those who've not been to the Guildhall, the Guildhall's a lovely Victorian building. It's got six floors, uh, loads of space. We took over everywhere inside. Um, just two of us, my working partner, Kurt, we managed to get some lovely help from local people. Uh, and we got the first one, two success. We were lucky enough to bring over some big American artists through... Uh, friends of ours that we knew that were in the comic world uh and from then we have literally not stopped running uh it's got bigger and bigger this year we from our original year we only had two thousand people come to it this year we had over seven and a half thousand people turn up to comic-con over the weekend uh and that includes the hot weather which put a lot of people off on the sunday it was tremendous for those that were in stormtrooper outfits or mandalorians how on earth you survived but think about wookies they must have really been dressed in a carpet for two days. It was amazing how they managed to stand up. Um, from from early beginnings, we got voted in 2020 in the top five Comic-Cons in the UK. And then last year, we mentioned in San Diego as one of the leading community Comic-Cons in the world. So that's the greatest achievement we could have for everyone that takes Vols. It was fantastic. It was that exciting. That sounds amazing, and we got a we got a, a, a kind of a mini insert of some Klingon there as well. I think with our with our <laughs> amazing audio so far, um, oh, it's yeah. really interesting to kind of hear that journey, Nick, from like that almost like offhand suggestion that wasn't really thought about too much to an event that feels like it's really successful and now getting recognised kind of internationally as well. I guess kind of a similar question to you, Ollie. I'd, there's a bit of pressure now um, hearing how the event's growing, but 
um, how did you get started with with cosplay and how has that grown into kind of being involved with now um, your own kind of group? Contrary to Nick, before Portsmouth Comic Con, I was going to other Comic Cons um, and I was going there on the regular. There were a handful of ones that I was visiting every time it was on. So things like MCM London. And with those, we were looking at all of the costumes around us. And some of these some of these costumes were absolutely huge. So if you've seen people dressing up as like Optimus Prime or um, in these like Warhammer type characters that are made out of foam, I was just looking at them going, how do you do something like that? How do you make that? Because at the time, all I thought of was cardboard, paper, and, I don't know, sheets of metal that someone might be able to use. Um, and then I was thinking, well, I could do something. I bumped into the Mandalorian Mercs at uh, Petersfield Summer Festival, and they said, yeah, on our forum, there's a list of everything that you would need to make, uh, Mandalorian costume resources, that kind of thing. Um, there's a whole community on there. If you have any questions, ask. And there's a, because of the community, anyone would be happy to answer and happy to help as well. So almost immediately, as soon as I started inquiring about costuming stuff, there was the first person I spoke to. It was, right, here's our community. Come in. Come into our community and talk to us. Ask us. We're here. We have this wealth of knowledge we want to share. And then it pandemic happened and that benefited me hugely because I had time to make the costume mm. and it I wouldn't say Portsmouth Comic Con was the ultimate goal for or the deadline for having the costume ready for but for some elements it was because I was working on it slowly working on it slowly and then someone went yeah, are you going to wear it to Portsmouth Comic Con because it's right right round the corner and I said I don't know I don't know much about it so last year was the first time I went to Portsmouth Comic Con and it was also the first time I wore my Mandalorian costume out oh, wow. so it was quite a special one for me and with costuming and everything you work on it you develop it you change little bits of it here and there and it's grown into something that I would have only ever seen on other people and stared at and gone, how, how do you do that? And now I've made it, I've made that thing. And Portsmouth Comic Con, I'm working with them at the moment to help promote the event and promote inclusivity and the community within cosplay. So it's come full circle almost for me. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. It's really interesting. Um, kind of each of you were almost teeing up the next person there. I think you kind of mentioned the the kind of the creative element and the inclusion of community there. Mm. Um, Nick, it'd be really interesting to hear kind of how you've built in those community elements. I know there's lots of different ways that that happens at Comic-Con where obviously Ollie's talking about the cosplay, but there are other communities that are there that are coming along and really actively engaged with both the event and the things that you're doing unlike any other comic-con mcm and stuff we're run as a charity so we are the ports of guild um the guild or trust 
which is trust that runs the guild hall um non-for-profit charity so all the money we make from any event gets plowed back into the building into other projects learning development that sort of thing um early on we decided we were going to go a bit different to most comic cons most comic cons are celebrity based so they get big stars hollywood stars uh people come and have them spend huge amounts of money to have their photographs taken mm. we wanted to be more community based uh more family based so that when you come into the guild hall there's no need to spend any more money. We know people, you know, Portsmouth is quite a deprived area, so we can't, you know, the ticket price is, is reasonable, uh, but we didn't want people to spend more money when they could, unless they wanted to. There is still plenty of trade there, but everything was free. So this year we had a Star Wars walkthrough experience. We had a Doctor Who experience. Um, and there's a cosplay parade. Uh, we have lots of local partners as well. So... We teamed up with obviously Dream Team Portsmouth that do all our cosplay. We hey. have the Star Wars Joker Squad. We have the Joker Squad. I knew he was going to say that. We have Joker <laughs> Squad uh, that do the Star Wars. Uh, we had a gentleman that did the. They are very good. Uh, we also have the Doctor Who. Now, the Doctor Who guy that did all the exhibition is actually a groundsman from a school in, let me get this right, Essex, who just loves Doctor Who and started collecting costumes. Oh, wow. Those are people that come and saw it. The exhibition was as good as anything you've seen the BBC ever put on. And I, no, as a Whovian, I've been to lots of exhibitions. Uh, it was absolutely superb. And then we just put messages out and asked for people, did you have a Dalek? Uh, and we had six people contact me saying, yes, I've got a Dalek. Can I show it? <laughs> Yes, and they turned up. We had three TARDIS turn up. Um, so, yeah, we just go out to the community and say, just come along. Uh, Jurassic Park, which was news for this year, uh, a lady has a Jurassic Park Jeep. What a fantastic thing to drive around Hayden Island on, like she does. Mm. Um, we asked her to come along with that. We had other people turn up with uh, Jurassic characters, all sorts of things. So, yeah, it's a very community-based event uh that is for the community and for anyone to come along that's really nice to hear and a really nice kind of inclusion of lots of different aspects of wow and i imagine lots of different um kind of attendees and ages and backgrounds of attendees based on the different communities that you're kind of welcoming into that space as well yeah if you go to a lot of the comic cons in london i would say the age group is probably teenagers to mid-30s if you come to us, you find it's very family orientated. I know for a fact there was a gentleman that was 96 come along. He was a granddad come along with all these grandchildren and great grandchildren. Um, the age group is very wide. And so that we try and choose things that covers everybody. So there's the modern, so we say superhero movies, the stuff you see on Disney Plus. And then we had some of the Doctor Who's that from my group. So from my age group, so from the mid 70s up to the mid 80s we had doctor who fans come in to see that so the age group what we try to attract is a wide selection of age ages lots of local charities also get involved in the running and putting things on during comic-con that's really great to, and the, that inclusion like you say of different charities and local services and support as well is is really amazing and i think when we're talking about community and the way people are supported I feel like that naturally ties into some of the assumptions I have around the, the things you're going to mention only about cosplay. Mm. Um, when we're talking kind of about people's local community, there's going to be a time, but also when we're talking about, I suppose, their kind of mental support system, sometimes 
cosplay is also or can be part of that as well absolutely uh one of our members uh lucy uh a friend group that she used to regularly have uh online video calls which turned into just audio calls um they would all work on their cosplay and they would all just chat that would be a bit of a social for them and a bit of a productive time as well mm. so that for them um proved to be incredibly helpful for them especially during the pandemic um at the moment we or in the build-up to this portsmouth comic con uh we had a cosplay workshop which was the idea was we were trying to attract a younger audience to come and make something out of cardboard that could they could turn into a costume and from that we made a few friends and some people that turned up to that also came to Portsmouth Comic Con and we recognized them from the stuff that they've made and they start they hung around with us they chatted with us for a while and they said are you going to do anything again like this like the cosplay workshop and we said mm. we thought about it we haven't suggested it yet Nick um so uh we're going to suggest it but we need to gauge interest first because the while there is a community for cosplayers that have already created cosplays and have friends or have met people that have characters from the same shows they can quite easily join a community or build their own little community but it's people that haven't even started yet that haven't even built their first costume or maybe have something towards their first costume but don't know anyone else that likes mm. it or wants it that's what we want to try and those are the people that we want to try and encourage and help build a community for you're almost that sort of starting block i, I think it is mm. it's f finding your way into this new space and i think it's interesting hearing um both your talk and there was another talk later by some other cosplayers on uh on the speaker's corner um yep. and just hearing that conversation obviously they, they were different sessions but they sort of overlapped with some of the content around kind of that creating your character or creating your costume or or having multiple different costumes and mm. it was really interesting kind of the the confidence and the detail and the support that the people that are speaking had and that you had and it, i think that's because you're in that position and you're speaking that you have that confidence um and hearing that your approach uh, at the moment being focused on those people that are maybe just getting started or want to try or want to think about like okay so how do i get started if i can't afford or don't have a 3d printer what's the thing I, <laughs> what's the thing i can do or where can i get resources from and i think hearing some of those ideas and insights is a nice way to kind of help that support and i know through previous conversations that um guests have mentioned things around cosplay and character design and that can really be a, a route into um either self-expression or escaping kind of the things that they're experiencing at the time so it's really nice to kind of hear you talk about helping people come into that community and maybe they stick with you or maybe they find their space and <laughs> kind of move on into those other groups that you talked about as well but it's facilitating that kind of early steps i guess yeah it is um because stream team portsmouth was formerly um 
a, a similar group under a different name, there are contacts and resources that we have uh, for things such as children's support lines, mental health support, um, links to local mental health charities that we can go to and forward on to anyone that wants to join our community that also struggles with things like poor mental health or loneliness or anything that could affect their self-esteem or confidence when doing something like this um but also they might just need some might just need a friend to sit there and talk to while they're doing it mm. or someone to go yeah you're doing the right thing or yeah that looks amazing why are you stopping kind of thing mm. um yeah that sounds great and i really like that when you were talking through that idea of you know starting your own thing and then having those video or audio calls with someone else that's doing a similar thing sounds really really nice and a, a really insightful way to kind of go about that i think kind of looking back to i guess the the wider event of the different groups and people that are there mm. um it's also really interesting to reflect on we've kind of talked a little bit about the that speaker's corner area and um Ollie and some of the other cosplayers were speaking there, but Nick, I know you also had um, panels and workshops and opportunities for people to kind of interact with people and hear from people that are quite experienced within the industry. And again, have that opportunity to feel really engaged with um, certain aspects, I guess, of their life, of their things that they enjoy and support their well-being that maybe they don't usually have. And you talked really nicely about we don't necessarily have those bigger names we're focused on the community but you do kind of elevate some of those local or really key voices to facilitate those conversations it'd be interesting to hear kind of what the mindset was behind setting up or establishing um some of those spaces and, and having those conversations in place i think it's really important that when people come you know it's nice to meet an artist comic comic artists are not well known unless you're Spike Lee, unfortunately, who's passed away. Um, they're not huge megastars, um, but they're very talented people. And they're, most of the time, are willing to actually sit down with you and talk. You know, the, the way we operate is they're all at a table, you can go and sit to them, or you can go to a panel and they talk specifically about a certain character or a certain comic or stuff they're doing in the future. But we also make sure there's lots of workshops. So you can actually go and sit with a top quality artist who will teach you to draw your favorite character. So it might be the Hulk and there's lessons that you can sit there and anyone can go in, whether you're a three-year-old, which is just want some crayons and just color it in green, or whether you're a 90 year old that loves doing artwork and you just want to draw something different. So that's the whole point of what we try to put across is what lots of workshops, lots of panels where you can talk to people. If you want to get into the comic world, uh, you can go and speak to people and ask them how they got, how they got to where they are today and recommendations um i would like to say one thing though that mm. we get lots of feedback from people after comic-con which is lovely always lovely whether it's negative or positive we're, we're always learning one of the things over the last couple of years we get from a lot of people is they find that ports of comic-con is a safe space um they go to other places they're huge big areas because it's very compact lots of things going on they find it very safe you know, you can walk in with a, a three thousand pound Iron Man suit, and you're treated mm -hmm. exactly the same as someone turning up with something they've made at home for maybe pence or mm -hmm. a few pounds. 
you're all treated the same. Uh, we try to make sure that we're very diverse. We try to make sure that we cater for everybody. So we make sure that everyone's got access to everywhere in the building, which is very hard in a Victorian building, I can assure you. <laughs> um, lifts weren't really popular and there's lots of steps, but we do make sure that we've got plenty of staff to help you get around. Um, I'm going to give you one story that it chokes me up every time. It didn't happen this year, it happened last year. During the Cosplay Parade, uh, a mum was sat on the steps because those people that have been to the Guildhall, we do the cosplay on a stage in front of the steps. So we have this huge amphitheater with up to about two and a half thousand people sitting there watching. And it's always packed. So it's everyone encouraging everybody to come up onto stage. And this lady sat there and she's crying her eyes out. And I got worried. I thought, what have we done wrong? And we went and sat with her and she explained that she come from Jersey. And for the last two years, her son had sat at home. Uh, hadn't left his bedroom hardly at all, hadn't left the house at all for two years, um, asked his mum for his credit card, and she gave it to him, which is very strange because my mum would never give me a credit card ever. Um, <laughs> okay. During that time, he ordered on Amazon or wherever an Imperial officer's uniform. He booked two flights and a hotel to Portsmouth, and he flew into Port. they flew into Southampton, came to Portsmouth, and he appeared on stage dressed in his outfit, and that's the first time he'd been out of his house for two years because wow. he felt he had the confidence to be behind. Obviously, he was, he'd come as a character, so he had mm -hmm. something in front of him to protect him. But he stood in front of 2,000 people for the first time out of the house, mm -hmm. and she was crying her eyes out. And I turned around, and my big butch rock and roll technicians were sat there crying their eyes out as well at the story. Um, and the good thing was he was back again this year. Oh, amazing. So oh, awesome. that's an amazing story. And that just proves what cosplay and what this community event can do to people. I think that's, uh, thank you for sharing that. Such an amazing, amazing story and echoes a lot of the things that kind of Ollie was saying around cosplay. But I think also the thing that you started off with of creating that safe space. Um, I think big events and especially Comic Con type events can be really busy and quite compact um and i think there is that overlap where uh, from a personal judgment point of view um sometimes events like comic cons draw a more diverse people with uh, a wider array of needs maybe than some other events might do and i think having that opportunity to have you've got the outside spaces you've got space upstairs where it opens up um i've noticed in the last couple of, you've done the there's like the theater space upstairs as well so there are places for people to go and kind of have that moment either outside or inside um i think in the guild hall you also there's usually the quiet room as well so there are spaces if you want to go along and be at the event but are conscious that you might be someone um, that needs those moments to calm nerves or have a kind of a reduction of the sensory things that are going on. There are those spaces, even within this kind of big and busy event and really successful, lots of people there. There are spaces for people to kind of remove themselves for a few moments, compose themselves. I think you mentioned earlier, if you're in a really big, heavy costume, it might also just be to have a bit of a, uh, a breather from your costume. So lots of opportunities for people to have that break and i think that's something that i don't know if it's always thought about at other events or not always possible um but i think you show like you said in a building that is not particularly flexible that you can still do that you can still make space for people to 
kind of have that space that that they need i don't know if you've got anything to kind of add into that nick as to how that's planned out or thought about during the planning process because we're a charity and the fact that we do do a lot of learner participation we have got a really good team here who cover wise selection of all aspects um so we do try we don't get it always right this year um we put the cinema up on in the circle and realized that there was too many steps for lots of people so obviously that's something straight away is going to be changed next year we're already looking to move it down to the basement which is a flat level so everyone can get to it um but we do try to encourage people you know if, if we have a, a, a an accessible entrance so that people with uh mobility issues can don't have to queue up and get in quicker uh we do carer so carers always come free uh, which you can get in other venues um and we've also because we work with good partners so we, we work with seekers create create that deal with a lot of visually impaired um members of the public so we look what we can do there as well so we go to them and they turn around and say well what you need to do is maybe uh have walkways or have uh don't it sounds really stuff really tough don't have um black carpet in certain areas because some people might find that it for them visually impaired it might be a bit of a danger aspect mm. So we try as much as we can. It's, as I say, it's very hard in a Victorian building to get everything right. We try our hardest. We're always learning. And if anyone ever has, they feel that we can do better, we're always willing for people to put, give us information and we will try and put that forward as best we can. That's amazing. Yeah, again, thank you for, for sharing that. I think it's interesting kind of looking back at you've already, I think you said at the beginning, you start in that thinking process for next year as well and I know Ollie you mentioned kind of through uh, Dream Team and the work you do through Cosplay you attend or are involved with other events as well and um, it'd be interesting to hear kind of how some of those fit alongside your experience at Portsmouth Comic Con and um, are different events kind of tailored to different audiences um, is there different engagement when you where you go along to do I guess you have different things that you're there to to do <clears throat> yeah the the different event aspect it's um so other comic cons as you say um there are a couple that come to mind the big ones we've got mcm and we have uh lfcc which is london film comic con which is run by Showmasters. lfcc is very much the you're going to see the guests or you don't need to go kind of thing um, there aren't very many exciting announcements, exciting panels. There's There are no workshops, no nothing like that. Yes, there is a big open space in the queuing room once the queue is gone and everyone's inside the building. But other than that, there's not much in the way of providing people with um, sensory needs uh, or overstimulation issues that there's nothing providing them a space where they can go to breathe other than mm. that big old empty hall. Mm. Um, MCM, while trying to be family orientated, which is more so than any other Comic-Con except for Portsmouth um, at the moment, it's still not necessarily the best for younger families. There were a lot of push chairs from what I saw last time, but from speaking to some of them it didn't seem like they were able to get around to many of the things because there were so many people there 
Um, but it was people that weren't necessarily open to adjusting how they went around the convention to cater for the families and for the push chairs and for other people with more needs. Mm. But um, other invent events in general, things such as Ukraine Fest, which um, one cosplay group that I went, work with, we went towards that. We went and worked at that. And that was, while again, that was trying to get the community involved in uh, recognizing issues around the world and raising funds to help support those communities in that country. Um, again, it didn't, it seemed like the same old faces that were turning up to a lot of events. A lot of the other events that I do fundraising for throughout Portsmouth through other cosplay groups. Mm. Um, Portsmouth Comic Con is very different. Um, when I say uh, I work an event, basically I'm there in costume, I'm there to raise awareness for a cause or raise money for a charity, and I'm using the costume as an attractive feature to bring people in. Uh, Portsmouth Comic Con, I don't need to do that because people are so happy to talk, comfortable to talk, and excited to be there. Um, they are generally more friendly than I've seen at many other conventions. And I've I've completely forgotten the question. <laughs> I mean, you carried on answering it pretty well. It's just hearing that those insights from different different events that you're going along to, which you've kind mm. of mentioned there in the different ways that you experience those spaces as well is really interesting. And I think kind of looking forward as well, we've we've kind of all mentioned the successes or our opinion of successes and that how they're developing and have developed looking forward. Um I guess, Ollie, what have you, or are there things that you're planning over the next year um, in anticipation for next year's um, Comic-Con at Portsmouth? Well, one thing we, as Dream Team Portsmouth, we discussed this. Um, we wanted to put this idea forward towards the Guild, um, the Guildhall, Nick and Kurt and the team behind Portsmouth Comic-Con uh, for a cosplay community type uh, event or regular event where cosplayers can get together, work on an element of their costume for a couple of hours at a time, go off their own ways, but then come back to those same people again. And if they've made progress, of course, they can show it off and talk, but it's a regular the idea is it will be a regular event where people know they can have some time to work on the costume, whereas in normal life, you might not be able to make time for it. Being a busy parent who might not be able to factor in children's costume making around their after school clubs. And after they go to bed, you can't do anything because you have to get all the housework done. Um, but maybe if we were able to offer a space and time for them to do that they would still be able to do something at the end of it that they can bring to Portsmouth Comic Con show off and meet up with that same community again and 
have that connection and have that exciting fact of, oh, I get to go to Portsmouth Comic Con and I get to go and see these people and see their finished costume that mm. I've, they've been working on, I've seen them worked on. And that idea excited us. And we put, we asked some of the people that attended the workshop event, like, what would you think of this? Would, do you think this is a good idea? Do you not think this is a good idea? What did you think about the cosplay workshop that we did do? Is there anything that we could change before doing this? Um, and the feedback we got from them was generally, no, it was massively beneficial to us because it gave them the spark that where the, the spark to want to do more of this, to want to show it off, to want to come and see these people again. I had um, one child that I met at an event at Smith's Toy Store, funnily enough, um, through the Mandalorian Mercs, uh, which is another group that I work with. Uh, we were doing an event down at Smith's and this child turned up not knowing we were going to be there, but he had a Boba Fett jetpack on, which is, for those that don't know, an, a, another type of Mandalorian. And he turned up, saw us there, froze, and his smile absolutely lit up. And he had a whale of a time. He took pictures with us, showed us how his rocket fired. And his mum spoke to me and I said, are you planning on coming to Portsmouth Comic Con? Um, because he's got part of a costume already. And she said, well, yeah, I'm looking to make a costume for myself to go along with his. And I was like, well, Portsmouth Comic Con, we have the cosplay parade. I'm going, I'm helping organize that. We, I'm going to have a, an area with Dream Team Portsmouth where it's a collective cosplay area where you can come and talk to us, hang out with us, or just use as home base for going and exploring the rest of the convention. Mm. I'd love to come and I'd love to have you there and see the finished costumes that you both have. And he begged her to come, begged her to come. And lo and behold, they turned up this time. They turned up to PompeyCon in both of their finished costumes, mum and son. And he fully in, uh, well, I can't think of the word. He became the character basically. He attempt. He was doing the walk as best he can. He tried to do the voice underneath the helmet, even though I couldn't hear him because I'm deaf in that thing. Um, and he just had a great time being that character and just having fun. And it was the familiar face of me and my costume that he kept coming back to and going, "Look, look what I've done. Look what I've seen. Have you seen this? I want." Um, can you come over here with me? And it was, it, yeah, it was wonderful. Creating that group, as you said earlier as well, it's that rapport that you build up and that mm. mini community there as well. I think, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Obviously a big, uh, uh, a big pitch for you putting forward. Um, mm. Obviously, Nick, it's interesting to hear if there are things you are able to share at this stage or just maybe if there are things that are in the background that you were thinking about for this year but didn't do. Um, are there things that you're you're looking forward to over the next year in regards to Portsmouth Comic Con or are there other things that you're focusing on as well during that period? 
we've got we've, uh, unfortunately we've got lots of other things as well we do games <laughs> fest which comes out of comic-con so that's more to do with um gaming retro gaming board gaming esports we put it into comic-con in small areas and it's grown mm. into its own events so we've got that coming um one thing i will say is my plan is comic-con's not just going to be for one weekend in may which is normally is it was june this year Ooh. thanks to the king mm. um our plan is to make comic-con in ports in the ports of area and all year round so your idea of ollie of having workshops is something that's been floating around for quite some time we tried it last we tried it last year for uh, 2022 uh where we just did mask so we literally came in cardboard mask kids could come in paint it we expected no more than a couple of hundred people we had 998 people turn up Whoa. the queue went across the square the last time we've seen a queue like that was when the Beatles played at the Guildhall it was absolutely unbelievable we ran out of masks I spent most of the day at the photocopying machine printing off more and more masks we run out of paper we had to go up the road buy more paper and this year we did a more of a should we say specialized and Ollie was involved mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember Ollie the little lad that you made the helmet with you, you spent yep. a good couple of hours with him making it. Uh, oh, so watching his face as he walked across the square wearing his hat. His mum and dad weren't that happy because he did look quite a strange kid. Um, <laughs> but he thoroughly enjoyed himself. You could see that he had, this was a thing that he was going to wear to bed that night. I guarantee it. Um, mm. It just proved that, yes, we can take this a lot further and we will be looking into doing stuff throughout the year. Um, for next year... Um, what we do here at the Guild Hall is after we, as we go throughout the year, everybody gives me ideas. And we always say that we will never turn down an idea. Um, this year, someone said we could turn these gates at the back of the Guild into Jurassic Park. They said we couldn't do it. The council told me I wasn't allowed to do it. I did it anyway. It looked fantastic. So you actually stood in front of the gates of Jurassic Park. And when the event opened, the gates opened and then dinosaurs ran out. It was fantastic. Watching kids' face being chased by a dinosaur down the road was hilarious. Um, next year, some of the ideas are being thrown around. Can I get a, a Death Star blimp and have it flown high above the top of the Gildor? If I can find one, <laughs> I'm going for it. Um, many years ago, someone said, could we get a Hulk? I now have a six meter blow up Hulk that sits in my garden at some weekends. <laughs> I just watch it at home, um, which is ours. So the blimp we could get, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to come up with lots of ideas. One idea that is really bubbling at the moment is a Jerry Anderton, Anderson, sorry, uh, exhibitions, all the old Thunderbirds and the modern Thunderbirds, oh. Stingray, oh, yeah. uh, Captain Scarlet exhibition of all the, the, uh, not necessarily the the puppets because they're expensive and whether we can afford to bring them in. But again, I've gone out to the community, asked people, do you have merchandise? Do you have parts, you know, old toys and stuff? And I think already I've got enough to put on a really good exhibition. So that's something that's in the pipeline for next year. That sounds really exciting. You've both got some really big stuff coming up. And I think um, it's been really interesting to talk through and hear some of your experiences that have built up to uh, Portsmouth Comic Con this year, but also starting to look forward as well and all the different ways that people have got involved and will continue to get involved in the way that you're supporting and including different communities and individuals as well. 
um, if people have heard this and want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing or how to get involved, um, maybe before next year, but definitely for next year, um, Nick, where are the places, websites or social media that people can go to find out about Portsmouth Comic Con? Portsmouth Comic Con, there's a, our own website. Uh, you can contact us through there. There's all the social media. We we're con we have a fantastic marketing department here at the Guildhall. They're always putting out social medias on Twitter. This is way beyond me. You know, I still use pay pen and paper. So um, they use Twitter. They're on Facebook. Or if you're not, if you can't get us on any of them, you can just come to the Guildhall or go to the Guildhall box office. There's an inquiry line there. Just send in what you want to see, what ideas you've got complaints you had about this year and you want to see improvements just send it all through everything i guarantee you will be read and wherever possible we will act on it amazing thank you so much and ollie where can people go to find out about yourself and dream team dream team portsmouth um we are on the usual social medias uh I'm, i don't remember twitter being in discussion for dream team portsmouth however we do have Instagram and Facebook, and they are both linked in theory. Um, at Dream Team Portsmouth, all one word, all lowercase. Um, we have also been mentioned by the Portsmouth Guildhall and Portsmouth Comic Con social media posts through there. So if you find us on there, great, that's another way. Um, we don't have a website. I don't think we have any plans for a website at the moment but those are the only places that you can get hold of us and we do regularly check those i do respond to messages on there and so does other members of the group amy and lucy as well um those are the places amazing um nick and ollie thank you so much for sharing your insights and experiences and really expertise around the things that you're doing as well it's been absolutely amazing to sit down and have a chat with you this evening thank you so much for sharing Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. Sometimes you need somebody to just give you permission. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. People just want to know that this, they just want to know that they're safe to talk and share these things. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. <laughs>